If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. And this is Joy 99.7 FM, and it is Ghana Connect. My name is Evans Mensah. And of course, this week, the debate raged on and on about the education system that we're subjecting our children to, that in many, many places is simply not fit for purpose. It, it, the, the debate raged on about what can be done to fix the problem. One of the suggestions that emerged this week is from Nat. It is a radical proposition, uh, but one that stirred a bit of controversy. This is a Nat president laying out the biggest teacher union's position on how to deal with the problem of leaving many children still sitting on bare floors to study in classrooms without roofs or under trees and without textbooks. And because those are, are duty bearers, their children are dead. The minister's son is in front of him. The judges, uh, the, 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 the magistrates, the, 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 the journalists, all their children are in this school. So when there is no furniture, they will come together and procure furniture for the children. But when it comes to the public school, the director of education child is not in the school. The DC child is not in the school. The police inspector in the district, his or her child is not in the school. It is this uh, poor farmers who can afford maybe five CDs a month or a week, their children in the school. But these are the people who are feeding the nation. Will, will not advocate a policy that compels the policy makers, the duty bearers, to compulsorily, if they have children in school going age, send them to the, the public schools? I think that, that is the way forward. Because elsewhere, if you go to Finland, if you're a public sector worker, your child will be in public school. So that is the way forward to go. And I will, will take it up. And make sure that our parliamentarians do the, do the needful and making sure that at least if you are a minister, a director, <laughs> and, and you don't have your word in the public school, when, when, can you imagine a director's son a, a line on the floor writing? No, I can't. You cannot imagine. <laughs> imagine that the director, the director of education, the son of the, grand, the grandson, is not on the floor. Children find themselves in a very wrong district. And they, they have a district. So the, the, the director, the assembly members there, would they send their children to go and lie on the floor? So we checked with Parliament to see if this is something that they will buy into. Remember that they belong to the political class. They themselves are uh, extension of the government. And they have the power to make this happen through legislation. We had two members of the Education Committee, the, the vice, 
the, the ranking member of the education committee and the vice chairman of the education committee, both of them had to answer the same question. Will they support this? So how do you expect that person, if he wants to send his or her son to a private school, there should be a law to prevent him from doing so. I think it is to be against uh, the human rights of any individual because it's a matter of choice. I don't want my child to be in a public school. If I have my child, in fact, I have my case abroad, and you are saying that because I've become a member of parliament, I should bring my children from abroad to come and school here. It doesn't, it's not going to be feasible. I think the conversation is more on moral suasion. When you are in public office, you want to demonstrate by example and that you are sending your case there, you know, to be able to send your case to public school to demonstrate that you have confidence and to also instill confidence in the public that, look, even this person has their children in the public school. That is, uh, that's an alternative, <laughs> but if you are enacting a policy that is not feasible, there is no need uh, in doing that. So, Two positions they expressed against the positioning of NAT. And it sort of lays out the foundation for our conversation tonight. Where do you stand on this? Are you in the corner of NAT? NAT says, and NAT is the biggest teacher union we have in this country. And they are in the classrooms. They see these children on a daily basis sitting on the floor and they attempt to teach them. They don't have the test books. They don't even have the teacher packs in some cases. They say, look, we've been trying to solve this problem for so long. We haven't fixed it. The way to fix this is to compel the president, his ministers, the MPs, the people in power and authority, get all of them to send their children to the basic schools or to the schools, to the public schools generally, and see the transformation that you get. And he asked the question, rhetorical question, can you imagine the education director's child sitting on a floor under a, under a tree without test book studying? Um, and then you have the other side of the coin the uh, political class, the members of parliament say, no way. And one of them says, well, I have a child abroad. If you want me to, to bring my child down, it, that is not feasible. It's not going to happen. Which of these two sites do you belong? We're going to hear from you tonight here on Ghana Connect. 055 is a WhatsApp line. You can join. I want to hear particularly from parents. I want to hear from you because you have your children in some of these schools. So join us. If send me a WhatsApp uh, message on the line I've just mentioned, uh, I'll get my, uh, my my producers to to give you a call so you could you could participate in the conversation. It's about our children, so let's have it. And and will this necessarily solve the problem? By the way, uh, or is it a simplistic view of this very complex problem? Let's look at that. Uh, connecting with us right now uh, via Zoom is Dr. Henry Gottenafo, uh an educationist in the UK, and connects via Zoom. Hello, Doc. Hello, Doc. Dr. Harry Gottenafo. Yeah, hello. Can you, can you hear me, please? I can, I can, hear, you. I can hear you loud and clear. Thank you for connecting, uh, you. Doc. I'm grateful. Uh, Gabriel uh, is a PhD candidate at the Conivos University of Budapest, Hungary. Uh, Gabriel is researching f- uh, fee-free policies in sub-Saharan Africa to assess their utility to social and human development. Hello, Gabriel. Hello. Hello, Gabriel. Um, Gabriel, please unmute for me. I can hear you. Uh, all of you, please unmute and let's have a conversation. Uh, Peter Anti is uh, with the Education Think Tank iFest and connects with us also on, on Zoom. Hello, Peter. Hello, Evans. Great to have you, Peter. Gabriel, are you on? 
Okay, uh, let's hope that we get Gabriel back on. We can hear his voice. Uh, we'll, we'll, we, also, we can also connect now to Imano uh, Pakujo. Uh, he's a trained and certified teacher with 27 uh, years' experience in the classroom. Hello, Imano. Hello, Imano. Hi, Great Good to evening. Have, great to have you, Imano. Uh, we'll be connecting uh, to the ranking member on the Education Committee of Parliament, uh, Mr. Peter Nochu. Hello, Mr. Nochu. Okay, we'll get him uh, to connect. Uh, in the studio with me is Jojo, the man who started. Ivan, can you hear me? I, I, I can hear you, yes. Great. Thank you very much for connecting. Okay. Um, uh, my colleague Raymond Aqua is uh, connecting. He, we, we taxed him to do some research on uh, on how this works elsewhere. And uh, he has some very interesting insights to share with us. Uh, he is connecting uh, with us on Zoom as well. Uh, as I said, Jojo is with me in the studio. And uh, we'll be connecting to Finland uh, because the NAT. In, in pitching this policy, in pitching this solution, uh, pointed directly to, to Finland as they were taking their inspiration from Finland. We'll connect to Finland uh, shortly. Uh, I'll tell you uh, who's going to be connecting with us, but, but stay with us uh, for that uh, here on Ghana Connect because we want to go to these countries and, and learn from them. But let's start with a general question uh, to all of you uh, very, very briefly so I can know where you all stand. Uh, Dr. Henry, I, I got enough. Well, let me start with you. Where do you stand? Do you stand with the teacher union NAT that compel the government officials uh, and, and those in government and, and in power send their children to the public schools? Or do you stand with the uh, two parliamentarians who say, no way, that's, that's going to be uh, violating human rights? Where, where do you stand? Yes or no to yes, as in yes, I'm with uh, NAT. No, I'm, I'm with... Uh, the MPs. Um, I'm with Nat. I think last week I was on this forum. Um, first of all, let me say very good evening to to you all, to the listeners, and also to um, uh, Mr. Antipate. Good to see you. Good to see you all. Um, I think it's very important to um, reiterate that last week I said this on the forum. Um, Evans, it looks like last I'm sure you're not here, but I did say it last I, week. I listened and I heard you. I heard you suggest that. Oh, Thank you. Thank you so much. So, I mean, I, I put this across as one of the possible solutions um, to mitigate all these uh, issues that we have and solve the issues that we're having in education. And um, I say yes to that uh, suggestion in the sense that if you're preparing soup for someone to eat and you're not going to be eating that soup, sometimes you really don't care how much um, how well that soup tastes or what ingredients you put in there. And if you're going to be eating of that soup, you might as well make sure that the way you prepare it and the ingredient that goes in there is something that you'll be very happy to put in your body and see how your organs react to it. So seriously, I think, um, yes, on the other side, people might say, if you come into England, and I'm going to use this yeah, as okay, an example, so, so we'll, if we'll you come, come into we'll England, come, we'll come, yes, we'll expand, the, the monarchs... Yeah, we'll, hold, hold on for a minute. We'll come and expand on the point. I think we'll come you, to that. All right, yeah, fine. we'll expand so, on yeah, that. I'll, I'll go with that. So you're, you're for yeah, Great. I'll go with that. Gabe, I think it's a good Gabe, point. Gabriel? Yes. Thank you. Yes. Gabriel, I still struggle to hear you. Can you hear me, Gabriel? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, yo, there's a connection challenge with yours. But speak, let's see if it improves as you go. Where, where, where yes. do you stand on this? Where do you stand not all with... Where the concerns raised by the uh, two members of parliament? Yes, I think though the intention is good, but I think the way of it can be effective. So, for this, on, on by law, I think I will go with the parliamentarians. Yes. 
Fantastic. I will, everybody will expand on your point pretty shortly. Gabriel believes the parliamentarian's position is the right way. Uh, uh, Peter Antti, where do you stand? We st- you stand with NATO, the concerns raised by the members of parliament? Well, I stand with the concerns raised by the members of parliament. Okay, in other words, uh, okay, you expand pretty shortly. Um, Imano, sure. hello, Imano. Hi, Evans. Where do you stand on this? Evans, <laughs> mine is a vehement yes to not. But let me put this in context. Um, I'm not explaining. As far back as 14th July 2022, Joy FM published, uh, made a publication about me making this very point on your very show. I mean, not on this one, but in your studios, that ministers and MPs should be compelled to send their children. It is there. Please let them check. So mine is a vehement yes to Nat's position. And I'm even surprised it's taking them this long to, to, to see this. It's a basic thing. Even it's a basic thing. It's a common sense thing. Okay. That's my position. Great. Okay. Uh, Jojo, you said, ask for Jojo. Uh, Jojo, you, you went around. You saw the children sitting on the floor. You brought this to light. Um, do you see any merit in the argument for Nat or the merit in the argument for the politicians? Oh, definitely. I'm going with Nat. Okay. Because, I mean, I've been face to face with the situation. No problem. And uh, definitely, if we have all our politicians, children, attending and MPs and assemblymen and councillors and, and even um, headmasters taking their children to the very school they teach, definitely there'll be changes. Okay, now let's expand on the positions as I've heard. Gabriel and Peter, both of you say you, you, you'll side with the, with the two MPs and their concerns with the policy as proposed by NAT. Gabriel, expand, why? Yes, thank you, Ivan. Have me here and good evening to all my other panelists here. So, like um, I said, uh, though there's a good intention behind such a suggestion that um, those who are in charge of our policy makers and our decision makers can also taste the results of what they are putting out there in terms of education. And so the intention is good, but um, sitting back and looking at the policies that I analyze and study a lot. I'm more focused on how feasible the policy is and how it can work. And so to me, I think it's a good idea, but the way to it can be questioned and can be questioned on several grounds. One, um, it's, uh, education, as we all know, Article 25 of our constitution state, it is a right and it's a right which the parents have a much say into it as far as the kind of education that their children are or what are getting. And so if a public officer put himself or herself out there to be elected as whatever, as an MP or appointed as a minister, there's also a wife or let's say the mother or anybody who also has a say in the child education. And so because of the father, you deprive, um, you restrict the family that they must enroll their ward in this particular uh, school. Somehow, some way, you are taking some key decisions that the families have to make on their own behalf out of the family to the state which I think it goes contrary to our fundamental human rights. Hmm. So like I said, yes, I don't doubt the intentions behind uh, this kind of proposal. The intentions is good, but the way to it, I'm not a lawyer, but um, looking at a certain bar, I can see when it's challenging in court, it can be, I don't think it can stand the test okay. of time. Gabriel, g- 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 great point. Stay with me. Uh, uh, Dr. Gosnanafo, what do you, what do you say yeah. to Gabriel? Yeah, I mean, I think looking at it from 
a legal perspective, a human rights perspective? I mean, the answer is yes. But again, for those who are in those public institutions, they also have their human rights. And I think, look, let's just look back to a few years. Um, and I'm going to dove my hat out to the former president, Rollins. Uh, when Ghana rolled out the SHS, what it used to be called, what we used to call the JHS back in the day, or the JSS, uh, which became the SSS, um, General Rollins at the time, uh, sorry, Chairman Rollins at the time, had to put his kids through that system. Um, so all, I think all the kids, uh, if, I'm, if I'm right, had to go through that system. And that was testament to the fact that he believed in the system that he was bringing. So legally, you might say no, but ethically and morally, you have to have that moral high ground to say that, look, if I'm going to make policies and I'm going to build schools and build systems, I should be so happy to put my kids through it. And it is only at that point that you can now say that I believe that whatever policies I'm enacting and the systems that I'm building it's, it's, if it's good for me, then if it's good for others, then it should be good for me or, the, or vice versa. So you need to look at it from a strong moral perspective as well. But at the moment, I think if we have to go down that route, it should be a very good thing to uh, to deter others. Not, I mean, I know we're talking about ed education, but it, it saddens me to see um, our, our people uh, jumping on the next available flight to go to um, the UK, to the US for medical care and all of that. And it's the same thing. We need to look at this thing and make it a strong moral argument for this. And it is when we are all eating from this same soup, we will prepare it well. Thank you. Fantastic. Now, here's what I'm going to do. There's one country that already uh, does this in, a, in one way or the other, that not itself referred to uh, in proposing, in putting forth this policy, they they are already doing this, and for everybody else who knows education, is that one country that has become the envy of the world in terms of quality education. And that country is Finland, uh, and thankfully we can connect to Charlotte Winberg. Charlotte Winberg is connecting with us tonight from Finland. Hello, Charlotte. Hello, Charlotte. Please unmute for me if you've muted. Hello, Charlotte. Okay. Uh, hopefully we can get Charlotte's attention and uh, we can get Charlotte into the conversation. We can, I can pick Charlotte's brain, how it works in Finland. Okay, let me bring in Peter. Uh, sorry, Peter Antti. Peter, you, you heard um, Dr. Gotsenafo. He makes a very strong point. You are in charge of policy. You have the national resources. And you're flying your child outside the country to go in school. Or you've taken the child actually to private school even here in Ghana. And yet you want us to go to the school that you wouldn't take your child to. Uh, hasn't he got a point there? Yes, um, I, I think that as, as um, the two, um, my two friends have already indicated, if you look at this from the moral perspective, that that's that's how it's supposed to be. Um, if you are cooking the soup, then you're supposed to taste it. But then you have to also look at it from another angle, that in, in policy formulation, you ask yourself, is that the only option available that would enable um, uh, policymakers uh, listen to the cry of the innocent kids who attend public basic school? There are alternatives available that we, we have to look at. And of course, you look at all the alternatives and you see which of them is more feasible and more uh, implementable. And I, I, that's how I always look at some of these things. So 
in as much as we feel that that might be a good proposition, I think that its implementation will be very difficult. And I and I say this from this angle. You see, um, we 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 talk as if the kids in the public schools are even all all of them are on the same level. I I beg to differ. There are some that are very. <laughs> very very suffering i mean the resources are not there at all and i know jojo who attests to that and there are some schools that are doing relatively well in accra in cape coast in uh, takrade in kumasi there are some public schools that are doing relatively well now if you force these politicians to take their words to these public schools what is going to happen is that they will they, they will find you will find this case in the best public basic schools and the same problem that we are complaining about uh, in terms of the lack of resources in the public basic schools, will continue to be there because some of these basic schools are in the hinterlands. They are in deprived communities. They are in the villages. They are in the rural settings. The the public uh, official will not take the word to that public basic school in that village. He will take that child to that public basic school in Accra, in the in the middle of East Legon and all those. Uh, prominent places so at the end of the day you come back to square zero you not you've not achieved anything and and if we we want to do this then it means that we are going to make sure that across board all public basic schools are going to have the same resources they are going to have the same uh whatever it is that they need then you would now say that if the child of the minister is in a public basic school in accra the same conditions will be felt as the child in a, a village somewhere. That is the only way we'll be able to achieve this. But we have not been able to even achieve this in other areas. Uh, we, uh, a doctor talked about health. The, the politicians, when they are sick, they go out. So if you are going to apply this in education, then you are looking at all other sectors too. How feasible is this going to be? That is my that is my mm. my reason why I, I think that it's going to be very difficult for us to implement such a policy. It, it, so it, we look at Emmanuel, doesn't Peter yes. have a strong point? Not at all, unfortunately. Not at all. Um, let me start from And I've told you that as far back as uh, 22nd July, I was on Joy FM to talk about this. Now, this is the point. You have built a school. You have built. Let's even draw this, this analogy. You built a school. You claim your school is the best. So why are your children schooling in other schools? Now, if you continue raising this issue of morality, morality, are we then saying that our, our, our public officials do not have morals? Because if it is the case, if the issue is I'm okay from the moral angle, then I think that we all assume that they are all morally upright. So why don't they do that? Look, let's not even mention Finland. In, 20, um, in uh, 2014, 2013-2014, in Nigeria, there's a state called Oshun, Oshun State. Then I think the, the governor was Ayub Bashola. One of the things he did, I, I know this because I was there running a selling me program. One of the things he did was that the very people in his government all bought into the kind of changes he was bringing to the sector. And that marked a significant change in the performance of the students. Now, if you raise the point that um, um, uh, the public officials will send their children to Akai and Kumase, at least that's why we're all in the same boat. And the argument is that once everybody has been compelled, everybody who takes the salary for the consolidation funds has been compelled to do that, we will fix the system. That's the basic thing. 
I teach, look, uh, Ivan, I teach in a, uh, in a Cambridge attached school. So someone will say someone and say, oh, Mr. Apple is privileged. But the point is that I cannot afford to send my children to these international schools. And that is why we must fix the system. It is a very commonsensical thing to do. In any case, Ivan, the politicians should be politicians. Them. So if you cannot send your children to our own school, our own hospital, then you have no business being a politician. After we pay you, is that not the case, Evans? Yeah, of course. So let's leave that space for those for those who will agree that their children attend their own school, so that we see that because once their children are there, they will fix the system. That is a guarantee. If the MPs, the ministers cannot do it, let's vote them out. It's as simple as that. That's that's very strong. Uh, uh, yes, please. I I had my name. Okay, and let me bring in. Let me go back to um, uh, our connector, uh, who is connecting with us uh, now from Finland, very quickly, because uh, I want to get the Finland experience. And I'll come back. I know there are disagreements uh, to the the two. We've had two two positions for. For this policy, two positions against. I'll come back. There's a lot more to explore. But let me let's get ourselves into the shoes of the of the of the people of Finland, right? And and how they've managed to do, to, to to do this successfully. Hello, Charlotte. Hi, Jojo. Hi, great to have you, Charlotte. Connect with us. Jojo is here with me. My name is Evans, and uh, great to have you. Oh, okay, sorry. Yes, yes, great to have you. <laughs> Hi, connect. Evans. Great, great to have you, uh, Charlotte. Tell me. So, I mean. W- w- What's the practice in Finland where I understand uh, government officials, appointees, you know, are required or feel obliged to take their children to public schools? How does that work? Well, the thing is, uh, we only have public schools here. Uh, Like, uh, I also started thinking, like, do I know anyone who has attended uh, like a private school or something else? But it's like, no, we have a few private schools, but they are like their reputation is not that good either. So it's just public schools for the win. <laughs> so, so everybody else takes their children to public schools. So how is it that the the public school system is so strong that the few private schools? Because bet me, if you have few, we have few private schools in Ghana. And they are the most sought after schools. I tell you in Ghana, people are paying one term $25,000 for their children to go to school in private school, no matter how, regardless of how few they are. So how come in Finland, the dominant, the dominant um, school system is a public school system and everybody else goes there? What has happened? How, how did it happen? Well, it's a good question. Um, then also, like when I think of the reputation of the private schools, they are not that good. Uh, but then again, uh, like, of course, the reputation varies a bit between the public schools. There are some that are considered better. Uh, and um, But then again, like, the difference is not that big. It's, uh, it's in some major cities. There are some schools that are considered uh, to be better because you get a higher grade. Like, their average is a bit higher. But um, then again, like, the things you learn is the same no matter where you are, because we have like this strong, uh, uh, like um, it's decided, it's like a law, like you, the kids have to learn this while attending school. And w- when you finish, you have to know this and this and this. And the tests, they are the same, the books, they are the same. 
Um, the groups are the same. The only thing that varies is the teacher. And of course, they have some freedom how to implement this system. But um, and also, I think maybe one strong uh, point uh, which speaks for the public schools, uh, we haven't changed them that much uh, during the past year. Like, I don't know when was the last reform. And um, according to some, it can be considered a bit old school because uh, compared to Sweden, we are more like we raise our hands before we talk and we sit in lines and um, it's not that modern maybe but then again yeah it's getting more and more modern of course but uh, yeah I don't know did, uh, did I answer your yeah, question? I mean, or, or, absolutely so all you've known all you've known all your life is that the public school is the best you've not known anything yeah, else uh, yeah, and I don't know anyone who has attended a private school in Finland. Although Even though I have lived here for more than 30 years, no one. Although the existing small numbers, everybody else wants to put their children in, in the in the public school. And in the public offices, obviously, no-brainer. That's where they will go to. Yeah, yeah. That's how it is here. And also the universities, they are also... Okay, let's not go there. But yeah, <laughs> of course, yeah. of course, of course. Uh, Raymond is connected with us. Uh, he, he's done a lot of research into this as well. Raymond, so at what point did the, 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 the people of Finland take that decision to focus on the public school system and make that the envy of everybody else? No, I think there was a century somewhere in the 60s there were conversations about, the, in fact, they invented the term reimagining schools. So they really decided that they were going to give more priority to building better schools for everybody in a way that when you channel resources, you get education as the basis for development spread across very nicely. So they went about it in a way that sounded very fun. I mean, in an education system that many people would want to say necessarily should focus on all the things we know, they have something that's been structured like teachers coaching students to excel in all they do, and headmasters being instructional leaders who create a culture of collaboration required to innovate. But in fact, to them, what gets tested is what gets taught. And what they structure and call accountability 2.0 is actually what they use there. Unlike other words, and they started getting it in the early 90s, all the awards in the world getting high ranking for education because a fundamental shift happened. That shift made it very clear that to them, the focus is on innovation and not making students examination ready. And that shift was sold to virtually every institution that school leaders started implementing it across the board. That became their mantra that if you get a child who is innovation ready, it's easier to test the most important things and make sure that they are prepared for the future in the ways that you want to inculcate the very best practices in them. So. Even though it was found strange, in fact, I mean, there were elements where even in the UK and other other Western countries have found it not in tune with the structures they had built over years for more than decades and had actually tested and tried and being used even in the US. But just when rankings were ranking Finland higher than other countries, that's where perhaps others sought to review their own structures to in tune with what was happening in Finland. Yeah, at what point did, did they take the decision that if if you once you are in public service and you are appointee of the state 
uh, or the government and you're paying with taxpayers' money, then you might as well take your children to the public schools that you know you're superintending over. In fact, to them, it was a normal thing to do. I think it was almost like a service charter that first, the guy running a district education unit is automatically supposed to be part of the system. Then politicians had no options. In fact, they were, I mean, it was in the 60s or so where demonstrations were held to indicate that whether you like it or not, people ought to be part of a system that's functioning properly. And that system is the public school system. What some of them were doing were pulling students out of the country to other schools elsewhere. That they stopped completely. They didn't stop by just issuing a fiat. They stopped by saying the funding available to a politician should not be able to, uh, when you are getting public money, you should put the money back into a public system. And since you are not paying for that level of education, there's no way you should be exploring uh, uh, the other ones elsewhere. So way back, in fact, there was, th 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 there's a rule that was tested later on, even at the EU courts, because other countries were trying to copy it. And this was way back in the 80s. Hmm. It seems like you know more about this than I do. <laughs> Charlotte, thank you very much for connecting. I'm grateful that you connected with your thoughts on this. Uh, from Finland. Yeah, but uh, I could also uh, tell one more thing about the uh, definition. Please do. Yeah, uh, if, if you don't mind. Uh, it's also, like, I think it's part of being like giving everyone equal rights uh like no matter whether you're rich or poor like everyone should have the right to education and to like it shouldn't discriminate whether you are rich or poor but everyone should learn these same things and now uh recently it has changed that everyone has to attend school until they are 18 years old before it was 16 but now they have extended this uh to make sure that you can't leave school before you are 18 as well. And um, one more thing uh, before I leave <laughs> is uh, that we used to have the same system as Sweden, but they have changed their school system, like their educational system. They have changed it many times. Uh, whereas, whereas in Finland, we have maintained it quite similar to what it once was. And nowadays, when we compare like the Finnish and the Swedish school system, it's quite, yeah. There are some differences, so maybe it's also consistent to be consistent about what you're doing. Maybe that's also a winning system and, uh, yeah, making it open to everyone if possible. Uh, absolutely. So, yes. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much for connecting. Thank Grateful, yeah, thank you for having me. for sharing like, uh, those those thoughts uh, with us uh, from from Finland, and and that's Charlotte Wimbeck there connecting us from Finland. And Raymond, thanks you also for connecting and explaining the background there. Uh, I want to come back to my connectors. Uh, on now we understand a bit. It's happening somewhere. As Raymond explained, they took a decision somewhere that you know before all this great transformation in the Finnish. Uh, system, uh, many of the you know politicians and the civil servants and government appointees were taking their children abroad, and then the policy came and said, "Look, if you were doing so, uh, you can't spend that money in another economy. Bring it down into the into the local economy." I mean, uh, I want to come back to you, Gabriel. I mean, if you listen to that and the current transformation that we everybody wants to copy when it comes to the uh, the Finnish system. Isn't that what we should be doing as well? Because now, as the uh, Charlotte explains, they've done this for so long, for decades, that the public system, this public school system is now the 
it's, it, that's all she she knows. She's been there for 30 years. <laughs> she can't even tell you with private school functions as well as a public school. Isn't that a benefit of, of doing this? Gabriel. Yes, thank you, Ivan, once again. Uh, so, um, what I would say is, uh, if you say you've made... Struggling to hear you, uh, Gabriel. If you can uh, adjust or speak directly into the, into the microphone. Yes, uh, can you hear me? It's better, yes. Yes, I'm saying, uh, if you say that you've made public schools better, and yet, you award it in private school. I will call it, you've been just uh, tragically inconsistent. And so, uh, on the part of the politicians that uh, the focus is on now, you are just being inconsistent that you made it better, but yet you are, school, you are awarded in private school. And I think you can be punished only at the pools, if that is your decision. But um, as to forcing them through policy to do that, I think it's, it's, it's problematic. So now, what we need to focus is to how to make the public schools better. I think that's where the focus should be. How we can make it better, taking some examples from the Finland experiences as Charles uh, uh, said with us. I think that's where we should focus on. And I think the key things that we need to do in our public schools, most of these pe- uh, people in higher authority don't like these public schools because you have been taught to just edu- not to educate, but just to indoctrinate. And so most people like these international schools because of the curriculum that we have, the advanced modern ways of doing things. How can we do uh, those kind of things in our part of the world, in Ghana, so that we can also have people not even considering the private school like it's happening in Finland? So I think that now uh, the curriculum that we are being built, the new curriculum that we hear the Ministry of Education are coming up with, should be focusing more on educating the, the, the child and also coming up with the infrastructure. I strongly have a big problem because I think now our education system in Ghana is focusing more on the on the upper secondary level, leaving the the basic level. I mean the primary and the basic level. And if you see there a lot of uh, reports coming out uh, just for some few days ago, some student drawing on the on in a boat, it's basic level. So I think we are neglecting the basic level. And yeah, I but but okay. So 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 Gabriel, I have a question for you. Maybe Peter. Well, when you say we are neglecting, who is neglecting? Is it you and I, or all of us, or the duty bearers who we place there to to, super, to to supervise the education system? Obviously, I'm talking about the duty bearers, the decision makers. So, so, the, so that's where the argument goes: that if that duty bearer had his child in that Saito or the public school, and not president asked me that question, can you imagine? the district education director's child sitting on the floor or riding in a boat uh, uh, to, to, to gain education? I can't imagine that, obviously. I can never imagine that. But I am thinking about the suggestion that is being made. Either it is implementable. That's what I'm thinking about. And I think it is not implementable if we say we should make a policy to force them to do this and that. I don't think it's implementable. And so... We have to continue pushing the duty barriers to make sure that they are making the basic level better for all of us so that people will be thinking about public schools and not always focusing on the private schools. Mm. I think that's the best way to So do. you raised the question about implementation. Uh, Dr. Gotsingafo, you are an educationist. If, if this is to work, how can it uh, work? How should it be implemented in a way that works? 
Yeah, so I'm just going to pick a few examples from the UK as well. So the UK has got a lot of alternatives. UK has got private schools. And uh, like the, I think it's Charlotte, right? The lady from Finland. Finland, yes. Um, I, I can't, uh, for the life of me, mention as many private schools in the UK as probably I'll be able to do with the public schools. But within the UK space, what we've done is that we've got state-maintained schools, we've got academies, we've got independent schools, so we've got independent schools, we've got um, grammar schools. So I've got four kids. I've got some of my kids in grammar schools. I've got some of my kids in state-maintained schools. And you've got the church schools. So what they've done, and these are all public schools, uh, government has a very strong stake in this, but what the government does is that if you've got a very bright child that can fit into the grammar school, the exam is open to all. Okay, so you write what we call a selective exam. If you pass that exam, you get into the grammar school and it's open to all. It's not something that is an elitist thing or something that is a class-based system. Whereas what we've done in Ghana, we've got the private schools. And I'm sad to say this, and I'm going to make a passionate appeal here. And Evans, please check for me. I want you to really, I want you to re really help me with this. I don't want to be wrong on this, but I think the last time I checked, unfortunately, and I'm going to say unfortunately, we're saying that it's their human right. But I dare to say this, that some public officials, their fees of their kids is being paid for in the private schools in dollars by public funds, by the government, or by the, um, uh, from, from the public purse. How do we, how do we just suppose this with the uh, human rights thing that we're talking about here in terms of the poor child whose mom is working uh, uh, her socks off, standing in the sun uh, for 12 hours, trying to make ends meet, and then cannot get into these soft schools. When we are talking about policy implementation, we need to look at how can we bring the private sector to come together with the public sector. And for example, let, let, let me give an example. With this boarding a free education thing, and I don't have any problem with that, but I've said it last week, I will not be giving free boarding school to anybody because at the end of the day, even in the UK, boarding school it's for the rich. It's for the privileged. We cannot just make it free for everyone. So we need to review that policy. We need to go back, look at some of these policies, where the money is going. And if we're talking about equity, spreading the resources, we need to look at the foundations and we need to also bring in the, 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 the public sector, uh, the private sector. Let me give a quick example before I hand over. When we're doing this uh, free education thing, there are still schools that, um, for, for the SHS, private schools that are now empty. Why? Because they could have the spaces. All we could have done is that if you want to send your child to a public, a private school, we're going to give you the same, uh, 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 what do you call it, um, uh, fee or, or, or grant, whatever it is that we're going to be giving for the free boarding house for, for you to get into the public school. Well, let us just come into contact, have a synergy with the public, the private sector and work together. But no one should be paying higher with government funds for the watch to get in, whereas we are neglecting what we're doing here. And look at what Rollins did in 1987. Rollins could have used the opportunity to get her child. Let me use Zanato, for example. Zanato could have gone into the old system, but Rollins left Zanato in there. She went to Wesley Girls, and she was part of the system. So this was a system that he advocated for. Morally, 
he did a high thing. He took the moral high ground by putting his sons, his, his daughter into that system, through that system, through the mill. So she, he can now walk around. Unfortunately, it's no more, but at least the, the girl, uh, the lady can now say that I went through the system and this is what his father stood for. Yeah, so I mean, a public official should have the, should have the, uh, that, that, that moral high ground to come back and then decide, look, if it is good for whoever is in there, it is good for my children as well. And until it is touching their families and their kids, trust me, they will not, they will never take it seriously, I mean, unfortunately. Pitanti, uh, you've raised a question about, you know, this could be a human rights violation. The politicians did the same as well. But what about making it a prerequisite for entering into the public service or for being appointed by the president or becoming a government appointee such that if you want to become an MP, one of the prerequisites is that you 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 agree that once you get that position, then one of the requirements is that your children go to public school, so that it, you you are not you are you knew before you accepted to take that position that that is it comes with a job, right? Is that something that could work? Evans, um, from where I sit, one of the biggest challenges we have had in this country in terms of policies is the fact that we we, we don't think through policies. We always want to um, do do things, react to issues as and when they, they arise, and then we, we formulate something. At the end of the day, we are not able to um, um, get any meaningful thing out of it, and it doesn't solve anything. We know that... Um, uh, politicians are supposed to file something. Is it uh, their their properties or something before uh, uh, they they assume office? I, I I think you are in the media. You know how that thing is going. So we would we would pass a law, and then we would ask that as you are entering the public service, these are the things that you are supposed to do, and people will still violate it. The point I'm making is you have to get a policy that will really address the issue. We are all talking about this, and we are forgetting that. The secondary schools that we are talking about and we are saying that the kids, I think the last president even made mention of it, that the kids of these public officials are in the secondary schools. Go and look at the secondary schools that these kids attend. They attend the Wesley Girls, they attend the Achimotes, the Infante Pimps. They don't attend Jokola Secondary School or Konongo Dumasi uh, Secondary School. They don't. So you can, you can, you can, you can do this policy. And they will, the case of these big men will find themselves in the topmost public schools. And in those schools, you will go there, they will get all the needed resources, whereas that child in Pandai will still be lying on the floor because that politician will not know or will not even feel because his child will not go, he will not go and enroll his child in that public Peter, So I, I guess the point you make that this will only deepen the disparity. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay, hold on. Let me get Emmanuel to respond to that. Emmanuel... Isn't that a big, big part of the problem? Why this policy that Nat is pushing will not work? That if you did, then Peter's uh, point becomes reality. And there's a clear example he cited of what we're seeing at the senior high level. You'll just replicate that at the at, at the basic level. No, no, my brother. Um, let, let's let's look at this dispassionately. You see, and um, what we are talking about is a law. That would have been occasioned by the people of the country. Now, I like the way you put it when you said, what if it's a prerequisite? So, so the reason why officials are not, de- politicians are not declaring their assets is because we are not enforcing the law. It's as simple as that. When we enforce the law, they will abide by the laws. In any case, if I, let me say this. We've cited Finland. We've cited UK. 
probably United States of America. As we talk about Nigeria. In these Western countries, apart from Nigeria, politicians and public officials serve. But in Ghana, they are served. This is the discrimination factor. In these countries that you have mentioned, the public officer offers a service to the people. In this country, we, the citizens, rather serve them. So why would they take us seriously? And here we are talking about moral issues. Are we saying that if if you are a minister, you are taking over 25,000 galaxies, 30,000 galaxies a month, are we saying that because you take 30,000, it's your right to choose any school your child to attend and force all of us to? I am saying that it's very simple. And um, um, Professor Afo has given a beautiful example of um, flight left and um, may God bless his soul. That if you think what you're offering is good enough, let everybody be there. And I'm sorry, Peter's point doesn't hold because even if the politicians find them their children in these top class schools, at least the resources will be provided. I mean, what we're talking about is basic resources, events, chairs, tables. If we get them, we wouldn't be having this conversation. If Joy FM has not chanced upon the fact that children are writing on their bellies, wouldn't be having this conversation, even if I'm wrong, you can correct me. Oh, no, oh, no, you're you're not, because wrong. this society has been there for God knows how long. But, even one last point. From 1984 to 1989, I was at a farm school. I'm not that old for all levels. Even that time, you could count the number of privileged people whose children were in these top class schools, the international schools. You had to be rich and affluent to send your child to your GIS, to the SOS, to the DPS, and all these big schools. Today, it has become a privilege. Go to any international school, I can bet you, you, you can count no less than 30% of children there whose parents are public officials. The point is, how do they make their money? So, this is a, let's, let's not defend this. Look, if we want it, let's come together, like the way we came together as a people, to prevent the E-Levy from holding after all, we are their employers. We employ them. We give them our mandate. And so let's make it a prerequisite. Let's debate it. And I'm saying that I'm so disappointed that it has taken that all this while Even my students in class 10 know this, that if you believe in what you have, enjoy yourself. Enjoy it yourself. Hmm. And, and I guess that's a basic moral principle behind the point that Nat was pushing. Listen, Emmanuel, uh, Peter, Auntie, Gabriel, uh, Dr. Godstein uh, Affle, thank you very much for connecting uh, with us. And I, I got a parent who just connected with us on our WhatsApp platform. Uh, he says, this is, a, this is very serious in Ghana about public schools. My boys are in one of the school. The class size is 95 in a class because is only government school in the area doing well. Very serious situation. And his name is uh, Abusa Jackson. Thankfully, he connects with us on the phone. Hello, Abusa. Yes, Eva. Great that uh, you connected with us with, with, uh, with your own unique story as a father. Yeah. Uh, so, and, uh, yes, go and on. I'm happy to talk to you today on the, uh, this, your program. I'm one of the best listeners of Joy FM. Without Joy FM, there is no Ghana. Thank you, Ibusa. So your, your child is in the school, in the public school. Class size is uh, 95. Um, yes, Evan. And, and how is she coping? Or he is coping? He's a boy. As for me, I can say my child is doing well. But I have to hire 
another teacher in home for them. The teacher just left right now. I'm listening to the program. The teacher have to come this evening and have class with them. The teacher just left left right now and go back home. So you are because if extra. they cannot do so, they cannot do well. And Evans, it's very serious pro, uh, problem we are having in this country, and nobody cares. Now, I'm, I'm happy that Joe is bringing this thing to on board. And I want Joe to continue hitting this side. We are going to be this uh, 2024. Let's let put pressure on them. So that, for me, I agree with the not president also. Let's force them. They will do something about it. I know what I'm saying. I don't want to say much on the air. So you believe that? So you I'm believe saying. that the public uh, officials should all be compelled to take their children yes. to, the, to the school, like, like like the school once, that your child is once, in right now? Yes. Once you are preparing a food for somebody to eat, you too, you have to test it. You have to test it. It's not only our school, ever, ever. Please, you people, just check a uh, children's hospital. Go and see their washroom. That's the place where my children get sick, sick. That's the place I send them. Go and see children's washroom, ever. It's very serious in this country because they are not feeling the pain, so nobody cares. If their children are feeling those pain, they will care, ever. Today, today, they will change everything. They can do it. Uh, thank you very much, Gosling. And uh, that's, uh, that's a parent there, uh, you know, but passionate about the education of their child. I'm grateful that you joined us uh, for your, uh, with your thoughts on, on Ghana Connect. And I want to hear more of your thoughts as it's been coming in. And, and Papa is joining me uh, with that now. Yeah, Papa, what are people saying? So, Evans, quite a number of views that we are getting from social media here. Let me bring you quite uh, a few of them. But let me say that it's overwhelming support for the policy towards getting public officials to enroll their children in public schools. Uh, this one here is from Guy Fox. He says, in reality, the fact that all politicians have spoken to jump straight into the human rights bandwagon on the mention of a law to compel them to send their kids to public schools clearly should tell us why these guys are all in politics. I mean, what about the human rights of their constituents who study under trees or lie on the floor under dilapidated structures to study? Um, guy from Tema, thank you very much. So, uh, this, this one here, coming from Uncle Sam, all the way in Ho, he says, um, I'll go with the policy proposal of NAT. When the polit politically exposed are sick, they recklessly use our money to seek Medicare outside Ghana instead of improving facilities here in our hospital. It's like we are practicing animal farm system here in our country. Uh, there's another one here uh, from one of our connectors, but they didn't give us a name. Um, it says that these politicians make lots of money through corruption and fly. I think that you may have to be secretary to that part of that country. But I mean, he makes the point that yes, they make a lot of money and decide to opt for education outside the country. Why is it that a certain MP has a children in the US? I cannot answer that question for you. Evans, this one from Isaac Newton, all the way from Keiko, he says, I think we should be thinking about fixing the lapses in Ghana's educational system rather than compelling public sector workers to put their children in public basic schools. Okay, Papa, thank you very much. And Jojo, what next? What next? Well, I, I I have been listening to this particular debate and I mean, it, it's something that we should we should continue because definitely we have 
the politicians taking their children elsewhere so they do not really care and you know in the studios when we have politicians come here and actually they see the visuals they're actually very shocked they open their mouth they are actually so you can imagine if we have i mean the speaker of parliament son sitting on the floor and writing and if you compel them if you imagine we compel them and say that okay you don't have to take your children with with uh, beyond a particular radius they should go to the public school within this particular area if you live here you shouldn't go beyond a particular radius we would see the politicians taking very i mean keen interest in the education of, the, of their wards their, their schools they'll go to pta meetings they'll influence things they'll they'll, they'll start i mean um, campaigning they'll start raising funds they'll start improving the system and i think that we should put this is a conversation that should continue until i mean something happens and on tuesday that'll be the um one la the last um, edition of ghana schools of shame and it will be here in accra where i mean you would see very dilapidated schools you see children sitting on the floor and indeed it's a sad thing okay. uh, that's it for ghana connect tonight uh tuesday watch the last episode of ghana schools of shame enjoy the rest of your weekend